John 1, 6 through 13. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Good morning. In Disney's 2010 film, Tangled, they retell the classic story of Rapunzel. You guys know the story of Rapunzel. Rapunzel, lay down, let down your hair. Um, the story goes like this in, in Disney's version. Uh, there was a princess, Rapunzel, who was kidnapped from her father and mother, the king and queen, when she was just an infant. And her kidnapper uh, puts her in a tower and raises her there as her own child. And she stays in that tower until she's a teenager. Now, her Rapunzel's mother and father, they're not able to find her. But what they do instead is they, have, they hold a lantern festival every single year where everyone in the kingdom would light up these paper lanterns and they would float in the air and they would fill the night sky. And so you can see them from far away. And the hope is that Rapunzel would see the lanterns and find her way home. Well, Rapunzel, for a long time, is not able to find her way home because she can't leave the tower she's in. But she, uh, as a teenager, uh, she sees, she has a window. And the one thing she can see is the strange phenomenon that happens once a year. These lanterns fill up the night sky. And she sees these lights and she's fascinated by them, and she wants to find their source. And she is so curious about them that she eventually is able to escape her tower and search for the lantern. And as the movie goes on, she eventually discovers the source of the lights. And the source of the lights is, of course, her kingdom, her family, um, the place that she came from. And so it makes all the the difference for Rapunzel finding the source of these lights. And like all Disney movies, it has a central song, and part of it goes like this. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to sing it. Um, I didn't practice enough to do that, so I'll just read it for you. And it says, And at last I see the light, and it's like, it's like the fog is lifted. And at last I see the light, and it's like the sky is new. And it's warm, and it's real and bright, and the world has somehow shifted all at once, everything is different, now that I see you. So the, the movie is about Rapunzel's adventure to find the light. And, and once she finds the source of the light, it changes everything. And of course, for her, it was her home, her parents, the place where she belongs. In our passage today, we're going to see that there were a bunch of, of lights, little lights that pointed us to God throughout history. 
But there's one true light that is the source for all those lights. And when you encounter that light, when you see it, when you receive it, it changes everything. And of course, that light is Jesus. And we continue our Christmas series this week as we look at these first verses of John. We're looking at the reason we celebrate Christmas this season. Why do we celebrate the birth of this child that occurred over two millennia ago? Who is he? And we began to look into the answer for that question last week with the first five verses of the Gospel of John. John wants to tell us the nature of the person of Jesus in this prologue to his gospel so that we might believe in him and have everlasting life. This Jesus is the word, the logos, he tells us in the first five verses. He existed before creation. It was through him that all creation was made. Nothing that exists exists apart from him. He is the source of all life. Every living thing lives because of him, and he is able to give eternal life. He is also the light that came into the darkness, and the darkness of the world could not overcome him. It's this theme, this aspect of the word that John focuses on today in our passage. But before he does that, he introduces us to a very important person, the witness to the light. All right, so let's begin by looking at that witness in verse 6. 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now, if you're just reading through John, verse 6 is a little abrupt, I think. I mean, the first five verses are kind of like, poetry, and here he kind of goes into prose. Um, He's talking about the eternal word who is with God. He has this uh, cosmic aspect to him, and now we go into uh, uh, this other person all of a sudden. But the author does this because he wants to introduce us to this essential witness of the light, to John. John here is, John's not the, the son of Zebedee, all right? He's not the author of this gospel. The author doesn't refer to himself using his own name. This is John the Baptist. All right, we know John the Baptist. John the Baptist is an essential part of the gospel narrative as the forerunner to Jesus. And we know this because every gospel includes John in the beginning of the story. Before Jesus' ministry begins, there's John preparing the way for him. I appreciate the way Mark presents John in his gospel. Um, Mark is trying to introduce us to Jesus as the king of kings. And here's the herald to the king of kings, right? You expect the herald to be this magnificent figure who's going to introduce to us the true king. And then the camera pans over to John, and John is living in the wilderness and eating bugs and uh, wearing camel hair clothing. That's John. And, of course, Mark, he's, trying, he's subverting the expectations of his audience of what the Messiah should be. The Messiah will be poor and suffer and die for his people. He won't be the conqueror the people expect, and his herald reflects that. That's John the Baptist. And that's the John mentioned here in this gospel as well. And we see him again. The story picks up. He'll be sure to mention John the Baptist back in first, uh, when it picks up in verse 19. Now, John was a man sent from God. He was commissioned by the Almighty. And therefore, that puts him in the same category as Moses 
and as the prophets. He uses courtroom language here to describe John's purpose. He's to be a witness, to give testimony to the light. So John's witness is seen by every gospel writer to be a legitimate testimony to Christ. Because he's a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy of a voice in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord. That's John. And what the author is doing here, he's telling John, he's telling us that John is is very much like the prophets that came before him. He was the witness to the word of God. When God wanted to speak to the people, for example, enslaved in Egypt, he spoke to Moses. He gave his word to Moses, and Moses related to the people. And that's the role of every prophet. That's what Habakkuk does. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Nahum, Jonah, Hezekiah. Just kidding. Hezekiah is not a prophet. See if you're paying attention. All right. They proceed God's word and they present it to the people. They say to the people, behold, here is the word of the Lord. And that's exactly John's role as well. He points to Jesus and he says, behold, here's the word of the Lord, the light of the world. Now, John's purpose again, was to point people to the light so that they might believe. And indeed, he's successful in this goal because later on in verse 35, we see even John's own disciples, he points them and he says, that's Jesus, that's the one you're looking for. And they follow, they leave John and they follow Jesus. All right, that's what John's purpose is, that's what he does. Yet as important as John's ministry was, our author makes clear he was not the light. He showed the way to the light. Jesus himself calls John a lamp in chapter 5, a lamp that lights the way to the true light. That's what John is. And so next we'll, we'll look at the, the true light and how the world rejects the true light. Let's begin in verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. All right, and when you're reading a passage like this, it should catch your eye that John's added an adjective here to that word light. It's no longer just the light. It's the true light, all right? And instead of just the light, the adjective is new. Why is that necessary? Why do we need that distinction? The Greek word is aletheia. Before we came to Jacksonville, Ruth and I went to a church in Tampa that was called aletheia, um, which I always thought, you know, was... So it's a cool word, but also it might, if you're explaining where you're going to church, maybe it's a little difficult to say aletheia, and you have to explain what that means every time. But I understand why they chose it. It means truth. When it's used in the New Testament, it refers to the ultimate truth of the content of the gospel. So John is saying that Jesus is not just the light. He's the ultimate light. He's the source of light. And so the most natural comparison you can make is is the sun. If you take a a flashlight and shine it during the day, it won't seem very bright because the sun is shining down on it. And so while there may have been other lights given to us, such as Moses and the prophets, such as the law, such as creation itself, none of them compare to the true light. And this true light came into the world, meaning the person of Jesus, the incarnation, The true light came into the world through the virgin birth, became a baby, grew into a man. And as we talked about before, the darkness of the world was no match for him. Everywhere the true light went, the darkness was defeated. 
Now, you can see this in Jesus' life. When Jesus met disease, the disease did not overcome him. He overcame the disease. When he met demonic foes, he, um, he revealed the truth about the spiritual world, and he, they submitted to his word. When forgiveness of sin was needed, he offered forgiveness of sin. When Jesus met death, he gave life. When he met hopelessness and despair, he provided real hope. So the light is not only illuminating the truth about God, the truth about the spiritual realities of this world, but its power is demonstrated in the person of Jesus. And the verse 10 goes on to tell us that he was in the world. And we've already gone over that, how the light was Christ incarnate. He was literally in the world as a human being. And then it says the world was made through him. We went over that in detail last week. He is the word of God through whom all things were made. When God said, let there be light, that word was Jesus. He was there in the beginning and made everything. And nothing that exists exists apart from him. And that was, that's what makes the end of verse 10 so incredible. He spoke the world into existence. And then he came into the world as a man alongside his creation. And they didn't recognize him. The darkness was so deep in the world that when the light presented himself, his creation didn't believe him. It's more than not just knowing, it's refusing to receive him for who he truly was, the word of God made flesh. The creation rejected its creator. Despite him being the light, despite him being the very reason they have life, they rejected him. Of course, we see that still today, whenever the gospel is presented. More often than not, it feels people reject the saving message of their creator. And then finally, in verse 11, it summarizes how the how Jesus came to his own people. And that's referring, of course, to his chosen people, the people of Israel, the Jewish people. Of course, all people belong to God in some sense, but the Jewish people uh, belonged to him in a special sense, that they were the people in which he used to bring his word to all the earth. That's what he did since Abraham. The word of the Lord came to the Jewish people through the prophets and God's law, and it was a light to them in a dark world. So when the word becomes flesh, when the true light comes to them, the expectation would be that they would recognize the word and accept him. But they reject him as well. Literally in Jesus' own hometown of Nazareth where he was raised, when he preaches there, they reject him and they try to kill him. And then the leaders of the Jews are constantly hostile to Jesus and they hand him over to be crucified. Even the people whom the word had come to through all throughout history rejected him when he came into the world. Speaks to the pervasiveness of the darkness in our world. Yet, even though the light was rejected by many, there were some who accepted him. Continue on verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, we're, we're thankful that John doesn't end with verse 11. The sweeping rejection of the word is a grim prospect. But John reminds us that there are some who believed. There were some who accepted the light. They accepted Jesus by believing in his name. And the name of a person is more than just the label they go by. D.A. Carson writes in his commentary, The name is more than a label. It is the character of the person, even the person himself. 
So to believe in the name of Jesus, therefore, would be to believe in his person. Who is Jesus? Well, John told us in the first few verses of the chapter. He is the word made flesh. He is the son of God through whom the world was created, and he became a man. Now, why did Jesus become a man? We see that later in John. It's so that he might die on the cross for the sins of mankind and would raise again from death in victory over sin and death. So Jesus, being God, became a man, died on the cross for our sins, and his sins were sufficient to pay the price, or his, uh, his death, excuse me, were sufficient to pay the price for our sins. That's why he came. And all it takes to become a child of God, to be adopted into the family of God, all it takes for salvation is to believe in this gospel. As John says later on, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. It's that simple. And that's one of the amazing things about the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that it's, it's so simple that anyone, even a small child, could hear it and can believe it, and become a child of God. That's the wonderful thing about the gospel. It's what I love about it. Salvation comes to those who hear and who believe. It doesn't come because of the family you were born into. If you were born into a Christian family, it doesn't come because of your heritage. It doesn't, become of your, it doesn't come because of your good works, because of your efforts to be good. You can't do enough good to earn your own salvation. And it doesn't come because of uh, any man-made philosophy or religion or because of how smart you may be. You can only gain life through the source of life. You can only become a child of God through belief in the Son of God. It's narrow, but it's simple. It takes belief and takes faith. And that's it. You only become a child of God by being born of God, meaning you only become a child of God by trusting in the work of God through Christ on the cross. And that's our end of, the end of our passage this morning. It's a brief passage. But what can we learn from this passage? Well, first, we celebrate the birth of Jesus this Christmas season because he is the light of the world. It is through him that we can know God the Father. That's how Jesus is the light. He reveals God the Father to us. If you want to know who God is, you look at Jesus. If you want to know about God, what he's like, you look at the life of Christ in his word. He's the visible image of the invisible God. And then it is through him that we can see the darkness of the world. He reveals our sinfulness to us. That's what the light does. It reveals the truth. Through Christ and his word, we are made aware of our own sin so that we might recognize the need of a Savior and so that we might live a righteous life apart from that sin. John chapter 8 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then it is through belief in his name that we become children of God, belief in his person and his work on the cross. And again, it is that simple. Our, our works and our ability to live a righteous life are not what save us from our sins. It is only belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ and it is only by faith. And that's the good news. Yes, we're, we're called to live a certain way once we follow Christ, once we believe in his gospel. But it's not that that saves us. What saves us is faith in his person and his works on the cross. 
So not our works, but his works. So knowing all that, may we be like John the Baptist and point others to Jesus, the light of the world, so that they might also know the joy of being a child of God. Now, I'm not saying we're all prophets like John, but what John did do is he pointed people to the true light. He pointed people to the Messiah. And that's our job as well as Christians, to tell other people about the light of Jesus, to share our testimonies about the light, the light he has been in our lives, how he has turned us from darkness to light. To be a light to the world by living according to the light of his word, by obeying his word, being a light in that way, and not by the darkness of our own fleshly desires. So let us be like John, and let us point others to the true light, who is Jesus Christ, this Christmas season. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this time of year. We, we get to remember him, and we do that every, day, every Sunday, but we get to do it in a special way this Christmas season. And it's a, really an opportune time for us to share with others, with family, with friends, why we celebrate this season, why we remember it, because it is the birth of Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the true light, the Word that became flesh. And so, Lord, we, uh, we pray that you'll help us to do that this, this season. You'll help us to be a light to others. You'll help us to be a light to others, not only in what we say and how we share the gospel, but in how we live, God. Help us to live according to your Word. Help us to be more like Christ every day. May, may he reveal the sin in our hearts, the sin in our lives that maybe we're not aware of, that we don't recognize, Lord. May he reveal to them, them to us so that we might change and we might live according to your word. So God, please guide us, be with us in this uh, respect this week. In his name of Jesus, we pray these things.